We all have a need to belong. Um, we don't need psychologists or, or, or sociologists to tell us this. We know that, that there is something deep within us that longs to be in relationship uh, with, with other human beings. Um, I needed it from my family of origin, uh, from, from the family that I grew up in, uh, belonging, uh, community. Some of you received that, some of you did not. I, uh, I went looking for that uh, when I was a young man wanting to, wanting to marry, wanting uh, a, agreement with someone who was like me and we would become one flesh and we would, we would live together in, in a sense of belonging. And God blessed me to experience that, and, and we live out of that. And, and belonging is something that I try to cultivate in my family. I know you try to cultivate that in your family as well, that there would be rich and deep relationships there and a sense of wellness. Uh, we belong. From the beginning, God observed uh, it is not good for man to be alone he said in Genesis 2.18, so I will make a helper suitable for him. And in John 17, Jesus prays on behalf of you and I, asking that we would experience a deep, personal, and penetrating union with one another, with God, the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I want to invite you to kind of, with that introduction, to hear these words uh, that Jesus prays, uh, recorded by John, uh, chapter 17, uh, verse 20 and 21. This is, these are the words of Jesus. He's speaking to the Father. Listen to how he prays. I am praying not only for these disciples, describing those that were gathered with him, but also for those, for all who will ever believe in me. All who will ever believe in me, through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us, that the world will believe you sent me. Now, now let me pray for us as we try to grasp this prayer of Jesus for us. Just, just bow with me for a moment, if you would. Lord Jesus, your immense love for us, what was shown with utter conviction on the cross that first Easter weekend, and Holy Spirit, you stir among us, and one of the things you love to do is teach us. So come, teach us, lead us, uh, into understanding which would guide our continued transformation. That in us and through us, you would be seen, Lord Jesus. Each and every day, we ask this in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, so we've been on a journey since Easter Sunday when we looked at the sermon that Jesus' friend Peter, the Apostle Peter, preached 50 days after that first Easter weekend. He explained what took place that Easter weekend, 
why it took place. Um, he invited this enormous crowd that had gathered on Easter, on, in Jerusalem that day to come and follow Jesus. And from the crowd, there were some who said, well, how do we do that? Like, what must we do? And Peter's response was, repent of your sin and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. <clears throat> Acts chapter 2, verse 38, if you want to look it up again. And the text goes on to tell us uh, that those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church about 3,000 in all. And we've been exploring this question, saying, well, what does it really mean for them to be added to their number or added to the church? And we've been using th three kind of metaphors to say, well, is it like this? Um, is it like membership in something like Costco or Super Savers? <laughs> is that... Is that what this is like? Or, or, or number two, is this, is this more like family uh, in the sense of a, a fraternity uh, or, or that family sort of spirit that you get in a, a, a team or, or maybe a, a choir or a band? Is that what we're talking about? Um, or number three, are we talking about belonging in the sense of belief? Um, this believe certain things and then you are, you're in, then you're in the church, like philosophical beliefs, moral convictions. Um, is this what Jesus was talking about? And, and in order to try to understand this better, we've gone back to the, the words of Jesus uh, just before he was betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. So, so they'd been in the upper room, they, they'd observed the, the Lord's table, the Passover meal, and, and we're going to talk about that in a couple of minutes. Uh, and they had left, and Jesus was, was, was teaching. And, and we, John chapter 13, about halfway through to the end of John chapter 17, is what's been called uh, Jesus' farewell address, or Jesus' farewell discourse, his final words to his disciples. And, and it's all about what does it mean for us to be together? What does it mean for us to be in one another's lives? What is it that Jesus was accomplishing in order that the church would be the church? What is this, what is this thing? And, and Jesus uses, kind of central in that address, this picture that I find really helpful. It's the picture of a grapevine, John chapter 15. And, and he, he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches, and my father is the gardener, and he's working fruitfulness through your lives. Uh, and, and we've been exploring this utterly intimate, invasive relationship of branch and vine and the life of the vine flowing through the branch, resulting in fruitfulness, resulting in life. And, and, and we've been discovering, well, that fruitfulness, what is the nature of the fruitfulness? Well, there, there's kingdom fruit. We've come to be part of the kingdom of God, and, and, and the kingdom fruit is flowing through us into the world as God's kingdom, his rule and his reign is extended in our world. There's kingdom fruit, and, and there's character fruit. Uh, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control, this fruit that is working in each of us and through all of us together. And as this life flows through us, we've got to admit, it, it, this is, it, this extraordinary unity that Jesus is describing, I mean, it's not, it's not organizational. Like, it's, it's not, and, and it's more than relational. It's, it's a life that is flowing up and in and through each of us and all of us. And here, as Jesus is praying for us, he's praying that this fruit would be so evident on the the, the the branches on us 
uh, that it would be attractive. The, the world would look on and, and they would do two things. They would believe in Jesus and they would want to experience God's love too. And so the big idea this morning really is this. The, the result of our union with Christ will be a compelling witness that invites others to belong to. The result of our union with Christ, the result of becoming the church, the body of Jesus, the result of all this will be a compelling witness that invites others to belong to. Another way we could say that is that as you choose to belong, others will choose to belong to. Now, that's basically an introduction to the, the sermon notes. I, I'd really encourage you to download them now or later. Follow along, make a few notes as you go, but, but really critical, really beautiful. Uh, there's a series of questions on the flip side of your sermon notes, which invite you to come back and, and bring some reflection on it. It could be personal devotions, it could be some time together as a family as you unpack some of this passage of scripture together. Um, it could be time with your life group or with somebody that you're meeting over a virtual coffee or, or a social distance meeting in the park. Okay, so, so we'd encourage you to come back to these words because Jesus here is speaking about the, the life uh, that unites us and, and then secondly, the power that's among us and, and then the witness that's going to flow through us. The life that unites us, the power that's among us, and the witness that flows through us. Uh, this is the outline that you'll find in those, in those sermon notes if you'll, if you'll go looking for them on our website. So firstly, Jesus is speaking about the life that unites us. And if we look at this again, this is extraordinary language. I don't know if you've looked at this carefully before. Um, but it comes in the context of, of this gospel that John has been writing. Um, and, and he began with extraordinary language. Back in John chapter 1, John paints this enormous picture, this transcendent picture of Jesus. John chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we come to understand that a little bit further on, that Word means Jesus. Okay, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the, life, was the light of all mankind. <clears throat> the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And then John proceeds from that enormous beginning of his gospel to tell us about Jesus, to tell us how the Holy Spirit came upon him to equip him for ministry. And he tells us how Jesus' teaching was utterly compelling. People were amazed and they would gather around his teaching and they would come to him to experience his miracles. And, and John time and again tells us that his miracles were a sign that were to point people to his identity. They were to convince us that the word, God himself, had come among us, had become human being in the person of Jesus in order to restore to God, and restore, restore us to God, and to restore us to one another. So we kind of get all the way forward toward the end of John, God, John's gospel, John chapter 17. Here we have Jesus praying for us, Jesus the Son, equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit, and he's praying and he's speaking to God the Father about you. He's speaking to God the Father about me. Listen to this extraordinary language again. He says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, the ones gathered around him, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message, 
And I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. And hear that. Just, just hear, think about that for a moment. God the Son is speaking to God the Father in the power of the Holy Spirit, and he's praying for you. And, and, and at the very center of this life in the vine, at the very center, the lifeblood th- flowing through the vine, at the very heart of union with Jesus himself, is Jesus himself. He is this lifeblood that is flowing through us and is producing this fruit. Now let me just back you up. We're running around in the Gospel of John here. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word. John 17, this high priestly prayer. If we just back up in this farewell address to John chapter 14, John recounts this extraordinary promise that Jesus spoke. John 14, verse 12. Jesus' words to his disciples. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Isn't that extraordinary? We'll do the same works I have done and even greater works. And we say, what? What could you? All of the life that flows through the vine. All of this fruit that that comes on us as branches. All of these greater works that Jesus was speaking about in John 14 are the doing of Jesus. Because he goes to the Father. He's going to the Father and he's making this possible. And it's possible because what you've been invited into is union with Father, Son, Holy Spirit, us together in this. And the life of God himself flowing through us individually and corporately. We say, well, well, what does it look like? Like that, 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 that sounds dangerous, does it not? Like is that not akin to like sticking your finger in a light socket? Maybe. <laughs> Look, Jesus himself is inviting you into a life-giving, a life-giving relationship. So, so what's, the, what's this power that is at work among us? What is this power that we're invited to live in? Verse 21, I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. May they be in us. And I'll admit, this, it is hard to get our heads around this. Like, what, how, how are we supposed to understand the Father and the Son and the Son and the Father and, and us in them and, and them in us and us together described by this extraordinary word, one? One. May they be one. And, and I've come to believe it's part of the reason when God created, I'm convinced he did nothing by chance. Everything has purpose. And, and I'll point you to one that is profound and powerful on this point, and, and that's the reason for God's design in marriage. Why did God design marriage to be the way it is. 
God's design for marriage, uh, this design for, for, for sexual intimacy uh, would be reserved for this utterly private, completely committed, absolutely exclusive relationship that we call marriage. And, and, and it's here, it's in that union that desires which began to awaken in puberty are to be directed. God said at the beginning, it's not good for, for us to be alone. So I will make a helper who is just right for him. And the man and the woman, maybe it's a young man, young woman, they come to believe in one another. Oh my goodness, I can't do life without her. She can't do life without him. They believe in one another and then they commit to one another in the union of marriage until death do us part. And what results then is the beginning of physical and emotional and spiritual union. Belief leads to commitment, leads to the experience of, of union. And Jesus here is using this kind of language in John chapter 17. It's extraordinary language. It's personal language. It's interpenetration kinds of language. And we begin to see that marriage and marital intimacy, I mean, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a gift from God, but it's about so much more than just this couple. It points to an ultimate desire for union with God himself. These urges to be intimate in oneness, that begin in puberty and mature among us, it's related, to, it's related to an awakening for an even greater desire, an even more powerful intent of God, this life of oneness that is to be experienced with God. Life of oneness, it's going to result in power being present in and through us. Life of oneness, it's going to result in these greater works that Jesus was talking about in John 14. That's what's going to come because we are one, we are with one another. The oneness that's going to result in the fruitfulness that comes through the branch, that this oneness that Jesus is praying for, it's the continuation of the work that began on earth. The work of Jesus incarnate when he was among us 2,000 years ago, continues through the work of Jesus glorified because we are in him. It's a continuation that's happening through us. We live and we move and we breathe in this place, this realm, the kingdom of God come among us, the atmosphere of God at work through us, his power resident in us, around us. We are immersed in it. And when Jesus was talking about being among us, he began, he gave, he's given to us this beautiful picture, this metaphor of marriage. And we, we might say, well, what, what were the limits to all of this? How did that work? How did it work for Jesus? He said, look, I'm, consider this. Jesus chose physical limitation. Uh, he chose to be in one place at one time by taking on human flesh. Um, Jesus chose to do that which he saw the Father doing. That's what he says in the, in the pages of Scripture. He chose to uh, speak the words that he heard the Father speaking. 
You might say that Jesus, second person of the Trinity, the Word become flesh among us, certainly had access to all power, and then he commissioned it according to the Father's direction. He directed that power that he had at his availability in the right places, in the right ways, at the right time by being in communion with the Father, hearing the work, hearing, hearing God. This is God, right? God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, sustainer of all things. We, we use language, theological language, like omnipresent. He is everywhere all the time. Uh, we use, use language to describe him through the pages of Scripture like omnipotent, omnipresent potent, all-powerful. So, so, so God, God present in the power of an atom that, that can explode into an atomic bomb. God present in mitochondria in the tiniest particles of, of, the, uh, of the atom. Uh, through to the, the power of the sun in the galaxies throughout the universe. This is the expansiveness of God. The more we explore our world, the more we are mystified and dumbfounded by the extraordinary nature of it. And as we understand it, related to who God himself is, it's mind-blowing. And this is who we've been invited into union with. One with him. And, and, and how do we access this power? What's going on with it? When Anne and I got married, um, we didn't have a lot of resources. Didn't have a lot, but what we had was ours. Uh, what I had was, was ours. What, what she had was ours. Um, and then we entered into the, the challenging um, management of those meager resources. Um, always kind of thought that Anne would kind of be the money manager for us. She had some bookkeeper keeping training and what. But we very quickly realized that trying to manage meager resources when there was almost always more month left at the end of paycheck, <laughs> uh, that just wasn't working. Um, so, I, so I took on that management piece. Um, but it didn't really matter. Like that was just a kind of a functional management within our relationship because it's ours. You know, um, and, and there are times when Anne will invest something on behalf of our family. Uh, there are times when I invest something on behalf of our family. Big decisions we make together, we discuss where are we going to do that, how are we going to do that. But, but it's this resource, it's this power that is being invested, whether it's in groceries or, or gasoline in the tank, whatever it is, it's being invested on behalf of the family out of the resources of the family. This is the power that we are managing because we are one. And, and so it's there. You, in Christ, have been made one with God, Father, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We are resident in him. And then, therefore, it's out of this oneness that his power is being directed, is being invested. The nature of oneness, we get a little picture of it in marriage, is, is, this, is this picture of of union with Christ. It's inviting us to, to observe and learn and live out of this. We're intimate with the, the all-powerful one. His resources are our resources. His purposes are now our purposes. What he wants done, we want done. And all of that is going to happen as he works through us. So Lord, what do you want done? The power is there for what he wants done. The ability to accomplish what he intends is present and it's going to happen through us. 
And, and so we say there are times when we experience God moving, like maybe you did this morning. I certainly did this morning in our worship and in Pastor Craig's prayer. And, and we would say, oh, was, that, was that them? Was that Tim? Was that the worship team? Uh, or, or was that God? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. It, it, that, that, was, that, was that was servants living in Christ in communion with him, ministering out of the gifts and talents and abilities and, and, and training that they've received, ministering out of that such that we all would experience God's presence. And, and we'd say, well, was that them or was that him? Yes, yes it was. Um, when, when you come and, and get involved in a, a serve spring project, and, and bring your talents and abilities and, and, and bless others, and maybe it's beautifying our church campus and preparing us for the day when we can all be together again. Um, was, that, was that you? Or was that him? Well, well yes, it was. Um, those who, so many, contributed generously to our Call to Grow capital campaign. Um, was that you, or was that him? Uh, those who, who are Continuing, thank you, continuing to faithfully invest in our general fund in order that the ministry of our church would continue forward and, and, and here and internationally and around the world. Is that, is that you that's giving or is that, uh, is that him? Yes, it is. That's him at work. He has given you abilities. Uh, and, and I know that some of you are longing for the day when we would be together again you know, physically here in the church campus. In part, yes, it's relational. It's wanting to be able to hug one another again. It's wanting to be able to, to be present to one another in these ways. But I know for many of you, it's like, I can't wait to see the kids in my kids' going kids' own class. You know, I can't wait to worship again with those individuals. I can't wait to, to be face-to-face with our, the youth in my youth small group. I can't wait to be together again in these ways, and, 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 and it's coming. But, but this is the work. This is the fruitfulness. This is the work, the power of God at work in us, through us, giving us these longings to, be, to belong, these longings to be intimate with one another, these longings to be intimate with the Father, together with the Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit, and together we are the church. We, we, we look at what God has invited us into, we say, wow, wow, this is, like, maybe, maybe it is that, that we have underestimated what it means to be the church. And, and, and I know what's common in the world is they look on, they say, well, it's, it's just kind of a membership, you know, or, or maybe they're generous and they say, it's kind of like a family, and I've experienced some of that kind of thing, same thing in a club or in a, a fraternity or in a, a team or a what. And others would say, well, you know, it's about intellectual belief. You either believe this or you don't believe this. You either accept that philosophy of living or the moral code of behavior. Or, or you, you. And we say, well, it, it, those things aren't wrong, but it's all of these things and more. It is this life that is in the vine that is coming up through the branches and is resulting in a fruitfulness. It is union with Christ. It's, it's engaging with the, this unity that is us. It's engaging in now a power that is present among us, the power of God working through us. This is what we live in. And it's resulting, it's resulting, Jesus says, it will result, Jesus says, in a compelling witness that invites others to belong 
too. A compelling witness that's going to flow through us. Look at verse 21, Jesus' prayer. He says, I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that, there's a purpose statement, so that the world will believe you sent me. That's verse 21. Verse 23, and I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and you love them as much as you love me. Jesus' words, you love them as much as you love me. Two things are, are to result from this extraordinary union that we share with Jesus. The first is that the, the world would know that the Father has sent the Son. I mean, John's been demonstrating this uh, all along through his gospel. The miracles that Jesus performed were signs that point to the divinity of Jesus. The teaching that Jesus brought pointed to the divinity of Jesus. People were amazed, never heard anything like this. God the Father in Jesus and Jesus in the Father, and now we are carrying this witness forward, Jesus tells us. And so we end up with these conversations with people who would say, well, can I believe that Jesus came from God? And we're to be able to say, yes, you can. Yes, you can. In fact, look at the church. Look at this extraordinary union that God has made possible, and look at all the work that is being done through this union, all the, the, the hospitals that were founded, the universities that began, the inquiries that science had its founding in, 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 in people of faith, people of Christian faith. Um, look at all of these things. Look at the love that has cared, the, the values that have changed our society. Not every society has our, our, our deference to one another, our value of human life. Uh, these are all things that come out of the, the, the presence of Jesus among us in the work of the church, and we can point to that and say, that's Jesus. That is Jesus, and his presence among us is evidence. If ever there was an urgency for the church once again to, 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 to lean into our unity together, in the sense of, of just getting along, in the sense of belonging, surely this is, this is the compelling motivation for that. The world's looking on, and they're desperate to see Jesus in us. And it doesn't mean that disagreement doesn't sometimes arise. It's how we manage that disagreement that matters. That, that beautiful list that Paul gives to us in his letter to the church in Galatia. Galatians chapter 5. We, we've referred to it as the fruit of the Spirit. It was written to a church that was in the middle of conflict with one another. And Paul is saying that in your times of conflict, where is the love and the joy and the peace and the patience the kindness and the goodness and the gentleness, the faithfulness, uh, the, the goodness and the self-control. Uh, this ought to be evident. Last Sunday when, when Pastor Craig was preaching, he mentioned it again in his prayer for us, this, this concern that's weighing on him, his heart that as we begin to re-engage in this, this emerging post-COVID world, it's this concern, and, and I echo this concern, that we live in love, that it be evident that the church is different. Though we may find ourselves in places of extremes, you know, hashtag end the lockdown or hashtag stay at home. But the great tragedy 
when we accuse one another or when we, when we judge one another, uh, regardless of the different camps that we might be, and this could be on any subject at all, the great tragedy is that the ability of the world to see Jesus in his church gets blurry. Uh, the ability of the world to, 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 to really engage with, to, it, it, becomes, it becomes harder to see Jesus in the midst of the way his church is be, living it out. And that's what Jesus says needs to result from our union with Christ. Uh, the world needs to see that who Jesus is. And then secondly, the world will see God's great love for us. Now here Jesus is referring to God's love for the church specifically. That the world will see how God loves the church and, and, and it's going to move them to, to want that too. I don't know what your favorite food is, uh, your favorite you know, treat, you know, snack uh, thing for me. It's always been ice cream. Man, I got to be, be careful of the COVID's you know, lockdown uh, because that's my go-to. But, but maybe you can imagine this with me. Like it's the perfect banana split Sunday. Uh, with, with just the right flavors of ice cream can, combined with the, the, your favorite sauces and chunks of, of, uh, of brownie uh, topped with whipped cream and cherries and they sit down across the table from you and they begin to enjoy this delectable treat. Do you want some too? Do you want some too? The world needs to be looking on at God's love experienced by us and made known among us. And Jesus says the result is they're going to want some too. Uh, they're going to experience this. Uh, the, the result of our union with Christ will, will be a compelling witness that invites others to belong Two, you choose to belong, and they are coming to choose to belong too. Uh, 